Please take your Bibles and turn to, to Mark chapter 4, uh, the Gospel of Mark chapter 4, and we are going to read together from verse 1 to 20. Uh, this is Mark's account of the parable of the sower, and I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version this morning. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside him on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Then he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Well, this is God's Word, and uh, we look forward to hearing uh, God speak to us as we study this passage this morning. Now, you will recall that we started a new series in the parables of Jesus last week. The stories which Jesus told, which we saw, were, were spoken with a purpose to divide all the listeners uh, of the parables into one of two groups— the one group was those who were receptive to the things of God, who believed the words of Jesus. They were the ones that Jesus said would receive much blessing from the parables because the parables would take heavenly secrets, heavenly truth and reality that, that was otherwise hidden and would reveal it to them. The other group, however, would, 
would not receive any blessing from the parables because they did not believe the word. They did not believe in Jesus and the words that he spoke. And so they would find that the parables would actually have an opposite effect, a hardening effect that we considered last time, which would confirm them even further in their rejection of God so that even the little bit of light which they did have would be taken away. And so we come then this morning to consider this first parable of Jesus, which is recorded for us in Matthew chapter 13, in Mark chapter 4, and in Luke chapter 8. And we're going to follow the account of this parable from Mark's gospel. And as Jesus said to his disciples, if you don't understand this parable, you will not be able to understand all the others, because this one really lays the foundation for the working of God in our hearts through his word. Now, although Matthew records that Jesus refers to this parable as the parable of the sower, we will see that the sower is not really the focus at all. Uh, And if titles are maybe meant to summarize the, the essence of the story as we use titles today, we would probably be better to refer to this as the parable of the soils. For as we will see, it is the soil which takes up the main focus of Jesus' teaching in this parable. We will also be starting this morning with the first parable, which reveals to us the hidden mysteries of the kingdom of God. All of Jesus' parables were intended to convey these hidden spiritual realities of the kingdom of heaven to us. And the first grouping of parables that we're going to consider over the next couple weeks speak to us about how to enter into the kingdom of God. Broadly speaking, we can group all of Jesus' parables into one of four categories. How to enter God's kingdom, how to grow in God's kingdom, how to live practically in God's kingdom, and how to finish well in God's kingdom. And so today we're going to start with this parable of the soils to look at what Jesus wants to reveal to us about how to enter into the kingdom of God. Now before we we look at the soils in some detail, let's first briefly consider the sower and the seed. Now let's start where Jesus starts by explaining what the seed is in verse 14. And he says very clearly that the seed is the word of God. We see that also from Luke chapter 8 verse 11. It is the word of truth revealed to us by God through his word. It's the truth concerning God. It's the truth concerning man and sin and judgment. And most importantly, it's the truth regarding the good news, the the gospel of our salvation given to those who are in Christ. James chapter 1 verse 18 says, Of his own will, God brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Therefore, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. In 1 Peter 1.23, he says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and abiding word of God. 
So the seed in Jesus' parable is a clear reference to the Word of God, the words of eternal life, words which not only convey content, uh, the, the content of what we believe, but words which actually have the power to bring about the new birth, words which have the power to save us. You will recall last year or two years ago now from Romans 1.16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, of the words of good news. Why? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So that's the seed in our parable. Let's keep that in mind. It's the word of God implanted that brings new life and salvation to our souls. Secondly then, who is the sower? Who's the sower referring to? Is it Jesus? Is it God? Is it the disciples? Is it you and me? And the answer is yes, it's, it's all those things. Jesus states very simply in this parable that the sower is the one who sows the seed. And since we know that the seed now is the word of God's truth, the gospel of our salvation, we see then that the sower is anyone who proclaims the truth of God to others. And so in the immediate context, the sower was Jesus himself as he was busy preaching and teaching to the crowds and, and then to a smaller group uh, of disciples. But it also referred to the disciples themselves who would later be commissioned to go on and, and make disciples of all nations as they proclaimed the good news of Jesus to the, to the rest of the world. And then it continues on through them to you and to me as, as each person down through history is faithful in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to others. The sower is the one who sows the seed. Now before we move on to consider the soils and some more of the details of the parable this morning, it is important to see that even though Jesus explains four unique events uh, in the parable as to what happens to the seed when it is sown on, on different soils, what we see is that the seed does not change and the sower does not change. The whole point of Jesus' parable is to explain to us that very different outcomes that we will see in a minute have nothing to do with the sower, with the preacher, with the proclaimer, and nothing to do with the message preached, but everything to do with the soil which receives the seed from the sower. Now, this is already a very simple and yet easily neglected word of application to us as Christians today and specifically to us as a church. Remember here that we are, we are talking about the kingdom of God and what Jesus is trying to teach us about the kingdom of God and, and how to enter it. And we see that this very simple parable that the kingdom will grow through the preaching of God's word. This is the, the first secret the first mystery of the kingdom of God, which has previously been hidden to the disciples, hidden to the Jews of Jesus' day, which was hidden in a sense in the Old Testament, but now has been revealed to us by Jesus. The kingdom of God is not a military kingdom. It's not a geopolitical kingdom. It's not even a social upliftment kingdom. 
No, the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom which is established through the proclamation of the word of God. You might be an online visitor to Honey Ridge today or perhaps you've been attending or watching some of our services for a little while now and you might wonder why do we place such an emphasis on the preaching and the teaching of God's word why do we encourage participation in a small group bible study on a weekly basis why do we read the scriptures in our services why do we teach it to the kids why do we sing it back to God why do we pray God's uh, truths back to him in our prayers and why do we spend a significant portion of our time each Sunday listening to the word of God being preached. Why is that? After all, perhaps you may come from a previous church background where the word, the the scriptures only got a brief attention by way of a a passing reference, maybe during a motivational talk or a time of, of sharing. But why does this church spend so much time focusing on the word of God? And the reason is because of what Jesus teaches us in this parable. That despite what the world may think will will draw in the crowds, despite gimmicks and efforts with music and entertainment and all kinds of of church-related programs, nothing will build God's kingdom. Nothing will will cause men and women and boys and girls to, to enter into God's kingdom and stay in His kingdom For eternity, accept the faithful preaching and teaching of the word of God, the word of truth. It and it alone is able to cause new life and growth in the kingdom of God. So really, this challenges our motives then as to why we come to church at all. Why are you doing what you're doing this morning? Can't be for fellowship because that's been taken away from us. Uh, It can't be for a time of emotional singing because that's not the same when you sing with people in your house who maybe uh, have not been given the gift of singing in tune. Is it to be encouraged and supported? Well, that's not happening because you're all alone. Is it to use your gifts to serve God? Well, that can't happen because we're not in church. I mean, these are good things that I've just mentioned, and they're all part of the blessing of being part of the body of Christ and gathering together. But ultimately, none of those things will build the kingdom of God. None of those things will provide access into the kingdom for those who are currently outside. Now, the kingdom is entered into and established only through the proclamation of the word of truth, the sowing of the seed. So your response to the word of truth and to the centrality of it in, in, in your daily life, the centrality of it in the life and ministry of this church and in our home groups and Bible studies and youth activities, your attitude to the word will reveal what kind of soil you are today. And so with that, let's focus then in on these soils that Jesus talks about and see what Jesus is trying to teach you and me in this parable. Now we see that there are actually two groups of soils. There are three soils which have one thing in common. They do not bear fruit. And then there is a second category, the final soil, which is different 
because it is soil from which the plant that grows bears an abundant harvest. So you can already see this division taking place that Jesus was talking about in the parables. Every listener, as Jesus spoke, was either going to hear the word and then ultimately reject it, or they would hear the word and bear much fruit. And the same is going to take place today. The division is already taking place as I have been speaking to you, and as I continue to speak to you, it will only increase. As your heart is either waiting in eager anticipation for the seed to fall on you so that it can germinate and bear fruit, or in some or other way, the seed will die and you will be left worse off than before. Let's just come to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come now and plead with you that you will open the, the ears and the eyes and the hearts of every person watching this service today. That not one person would leave this service today hardened to your truth, but that all might see the light of the truth of the gospel in your words and that your word would penetrate deep within us and bring forth a bountiful harvest. Please, will, will you do what only you can do in our hearts this morning? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's consider then the, the four soils that Jesus speaks about. And the first soil that he talks about is the soil of the solid heart in verse 15. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path, along the, the paving where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Now, the person presented here or represented here by this hard soil really is a person whose heart is as solid as a rock. It's a person who is totally closed to the things of God. When the word is preached, when the seed is sown, there is zero penetration. The word just bounces off the surface of the person's heart and it's snatched away by the devil like a bird snatches seed off the paving. Now, what would cause the, the hardness of the heart to the things of God in this way? Well, some people's hearts are hard because of ignorance. They were never taught anything about God, about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for sinners to redeem them so that they might be adopted into the family of God. And, and so Paul's letter to the Roman tells us that although all men are without excuse in terms of the reality of the existence of God, that's plainly evident to all of us in nature, as well as the fact that God has written uh, himself and his law, in a sense, on our hearts, in our conscience. Nevertheless, over the years of suppressing the truth about God revealed in nature, suppressing the truth about God that has been written on our hearts through our consciences, these people, through the ignorance of the special revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ revealed to us in the Scriptures, have become hard. Evolution has provided a suitable alternative to what we see in nature. 
psychology has provided a suitable explanation for the problems of, of life. Science has provided a suitable alternative to explain away the spiritual realm. And so the person's heart is hardened to all this truth, to the words which the sower sows. But then other people are hardened through the, the suffering and the hardships which this life has, has dished out to them. They've perhaps known times of, of personal injustice against them. They've suffered loss in terms of their possessions or perhaps human relationships. They've undergone times of extended physical and emotional sickness and suffering or perhaps even abuse. And through all of this, they believe that this is somehow God's fault and so have become bitter towards God as a result and they are hard. And still others have become hard really due to the exact opposite, namely that of prosperity. Those whose lives have just gone so well, their marriages are great, their, their careers are flourishing, their families are doing well. To be quite honest, life is just a breeze. They've become self-made men and women who don't see any need for God. They They've become self-reliant on their own gifting and abilities and achievements and, and personalities and, and financial status and, and their hard work. And so they've become hardened towards the truth of God's Word. Are there many other reasons why people develop hard hearts? The bottom line, however, is that the person with the hard heart has an independence from God which results in them intentionally closing their mind and their heart to the things of God. They don't want to hear God speak to them. They're quite happy in their ignorance of His truth. And so Jesus says that in their case, the seed of the word which is preached is like seed that lands on concrete paving and it is snatched away by the birds. But what I want you to see, what Jesus is revealing here that was previously hidden, is that these hardened people think that it is their prerogative to choose whether or not they will receive the truth or not, what they will do with the seed. And for now, they see no value in the seed, so they're going to reject it for as long as they feel like it, but maybe sometime in the future they might give it some of their attention. But what Jesus reveals is that the reality is much more sinister. The spiritual truth which is, is going on here behind the scenes is that the devil is at work. He is very much active. He is the one who snatches the seed away from their hearts and minds so that it does not have chance to penetrate, to, to find a little crack in the paving and to, to penetrate into the soil in order to germinate. No, Satan who is the father of lies, he recognizes that even the hardest man, the hardest woman, the hardest teenager or child, their hard hearts can be broken up and penetrated by the power of this seed. If the word is given only half a chance, it will affect that person. And so the devil comes along and he snatches it away. And sadly today, I think that as we look at much of what we would call Christianity in the world today, we see that the devil has a greater respect for the power of the Word of God than many professing Christians do. 
Generally speaking today in Christianity, we think that the Word of God is weak. We think that we need to to massage it where it's become old-fashioned. We think that we need to supplement it with entertainment because uh, people will be bored by the presentation of the Word. And the devil sits back and he laughs at us and all our gimmicks because the only thing able to destroy him and to change the lives of of hopeless and desperate people into lives of, of joy and hope is the very Word of God which so many Christians practically ignore. But you can be sure that when the Word is read, when it is faithfully preached, when it is taught by a mother to her children, when it is spoken between friends over a cup of coffee, wherever the devil finds the Word of God lying on hard hearts. He swoops down and immediately takes it away so that the Word which was sown cannot penetrate and save. Do you believe what Jesus is saying to you about His Word today? In the second place then, I want us to see that the sower also sows the Word of truth onto The superficial heart in verses 16 and 17. Let's read those verses. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Now, they may perhaps be a few of the hard-hearted people who have tuned into the service today, but generally they are few and far between when it comes to church activities because people whose hearts are hard are normally determined not to place themselves in the vicinity of the sower or the seed. And you will know people like that who, when they see you coming along, uh, try to keep distance from you because they don't want to hear about the Word of God. They don't want to hear about Jesus and what He has done in your life. But there may be a few who, out of curiosity, have tuned in today. But this second group, the superficial heart, is a very different group. These are people who seem to love the church, who often talk the talk and even walk the Christian walk for a while. These are the kind of people who we would often speak about as being such nice people. That person's such a nice person. Yes, they, they hear the word, they, they receive it with joy, their emotions are engaged in the time of singing and worship. They seem to experience something quite genuine. But what cannot be seen at first is that the soil of their hearts is very shallow, Jesus says. There's no space for the root it's, it's kind of a hard heart with a layer, a veneer of, of thin soil on top. And so the seed is received just below the surface of respectable religiosity for a while, but there is no depth. And the scary thing about these people is that it seems, at least for a while, that they are genuine Christians. So what then goes wrong? Well, Jesus says that if either tribulation or persecution comes, they immediately fall away. Now, tribulation here would refer to times of hardship or suffering uh, which come our way 
in a, in a general sense, the, the mishaps of life, perhaps a, a job retrenchment during COVID or a death in the family or terminal illness or natural disasters or crime or injustice, things that are, are not directly their fault. These things that seem to come out of the blue, tribulations, trouble, misfortune. That's the one category. And then the other category is persecution, specifically persecution relating to the word of God, relating to, to being a Christian and, and what it means to stand for Christ in this world. Perhaps the loss of family inheritance as an unbelieving parent cuts you out of their will. Perhaps it's the loss of, of your friend circle who don't want to have, to have anything to do with you. Perhaps it's the, the loss of a job promotion because of the demands which Christ makes on your integrity. Either way, when this shallow-hearted person experiences these trials and this persecution, they become angry and bitter towards God. They feel that they are being unfairly treated by God. Disillusionment settles in because this is not what they were promised when they signed up with Jesus. And so they begin to resent the word that they once received with joy and they very quickly fall away. It is often these people who soon become like the first soil or, or maybe it's a case that the first Soil of hardness is, was always there and, and the, the veneer of soil on the surface is removed and once bitten, twice hardened. And so their latter condition is worse than the first. Then the third kind of soil which Jesus speaks about is the, the smothered heart in verses 18 to 19. Others are the ones sown among thorns or weeds some translations say, and they are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And again, these are the kind of, of people that you will find quite comfortably sitting in church week after week. People who've made a profession of faith, people whose Christian life seems to be going well. They know their Bibles, they pray, they help out at church with all kinds of, of duties wherever they can, but there is a spiritual reality lurking in their hearts which we would never have known about if Jesus hadn't told us this truth in his parable. Jesus says that the seed of the word seems to be growing, but it is not alone the soil of this person's heart is a, a welcoming home for the word of God, but it is also a welcoming home for the weeds or the thorns which are growing side by side the seed of the word, and it is a deadly combination. Now, what is Jesus referring to when he tells us in verse 19 about the weeds or, or the thorns? Well, really, he's referring to three things. He says the cares of this world, namely worry, or the deceitfulness of riches, namely greed, or the desires for other things, namely pleasure. These three things, worry, greed, and pleasure, are very subtle because they coexist quite happily alongside the plant of Christianity for a season. 
But in time, Jesus tells us, we find that these weeds will choke the very life out of the plant until it dies, because it never produces lasting fruit. So it's just worth considering the subtle danger of these weeds this morning, which can so easily spring up in our hearts if we are are not vigilant to God against them, or we're not vigilant to put them to death when we identify them. So firstly, let's just think about the cares of this world, also known as worry. Now, why is worry such a deadly weed? So much so that it can prevent the word of God germinating to produce fruit. Well, the reason why worry is so deadly is because it is so natural. By our human nature, we worry. Although some of us may worry more than others, nevertheless, all of us to a degree worry. And our usual excuse for this is that it's normal. It's human nature to worry. And you may even hear moms say something like this, you know, it's my job to worry. But the problem with worry is that it reveals a fundamental mistrust in God. Worry is the fruit, the very natural fruit of unbelief. Because worry arises when we don't trust God to keep his promises. When we don't trust God to be God. And so worry is not, as some of you may think, just a personality trait that you were born with or a natural part of this world. In actual fact, it's both of those things. We were all born with it, and it's a natural part of this world. But worry, according to Jesus, is allowing this weed to grow alongside the truth. It's a sin. It's a deadly sin because it gets its energy to grow from the soil of unbelief in the character and the promises of God. Many Christians seem to think that it is fine and normal to affirm a a belief that we have an all-good, all-wise, all-powerful, all-sovereign God, and then at the same time to be overcome with worry. It's totally inconsistent, says Jesus. You, You can't be black and white at the same time. You can't be light and dark at the same time. You cannot affirm the truths about God's goodness and faithfulness and love and care for you and then worry at the same time. God's word says, do not worry. Cast your cares on him for he will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So that's the first thorny weed which has the power to choke the life out of the gospel seed. It's the sin of worry. But Jesus also tells us of another thorny weed, which he calls the deceitfulness of riches, also known as greed. It's this insatiable desire for more than we need. The, the promise of, of happiness and, and status and identity and, and power and safety and comfort which is offered to those who have lots of money. Jesus says it's all a lie. It's a well-rehearsed, well-presented, well-marketed lie of the devil. 
Listen to what Proverbs says about the dangers of this deception. Proverbs 23 verse 1. When you sit down with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to stop. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Elsewhere, Jesus himself says in Matthew 6 verse 19, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the sin of greed, the love of money, is the the root of all evil because it, it places money on the throne of our lives. Money becomes our functional savior and we place our trust in money instead of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, Jesus then speaks to us about the weed of desire for other things, also known as pleasure. Jesus really could not be broader here in his description of this third weed of death. It's a weed which comes in so many forms and disguises that we can easily miss it, but it is the desire for other things. What other things? Well, anything which occupies our attention and our affections and our desires in a way which replaces Jesus Christ as our first love. It could be our husbands or our wives. It, it could be our children, our jobs, our holidays, our hobbies, our sporting achievements, so many things. Anything which the heart desires more than the truth of the gospel. Anything which occupies the thoughts and the affections and the attentions of our hearts in such a way as to make us unfruitful plants in the kingdom of God is a thorny weed which will slowly choke the life out of the plant. All these weeds, although very different in themselves, Worry, greed, pleasure. I want you to see they all have the same end result. They smother the life out of the plant and it dies. They prevent the plant from bearing fruit. Now before we move on to consider the final soil type this morning, the final kind of heart, I want you to see that there is this common denominator across all these unproductive soils. The problem in all three cases has to do with depth. The seed does not penetrate deep enough into the soil to produce a long-term sustainable plant which is able to bear fruit. The first soil, we see the the seed doesn't even penetrate the surface. The second soil, it gets a little bit deeper between uh, below the thin veneer of soil, but, but then it hits a layer of of solid rock and there's no place for any root. And the third soil seems to do all right, but the seed is not able to penetrate deep enough because the choking of the weeds, and this is very crucial to realize, the choking of the weeds takes place below the surface. 
where the roots of the weed surround the roots of the good plant that are shallow, and it sucks up all the water and all the nutrients until the good plant dies. In all three cases, the seed of the gospel did not get down deep enough. And that is the problem for even many of us in our walk with the Lord, isn't it? The reason Christians fall so often, the reason our attitudes to other people are not right, the reason we still find ourselves being caught up in worry or allowing riches and pleasures of this world to to choke the, the spiritual vibrancy out of us and our passion for God is because the gospel of Jesus Christ hasn't gone down deep enough into our hearts. And so with that truth so clearly illustrated to us by Jesus, let's look at the final soil that Jesus speaks about, and that is the soil of the supernatural heart in verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Now there are a couple of things that we note here in the fourth case which make this parable extremely instructive. Firstly, we see that neither the sower nor the seed has changed in the final situation. What makes all the difference is that the soil is different. It was soft soil. It's called good soil. And so in farming language, that's soil, which means that it's rich in nutrients, it's moist, it's deep, it's been plowed clean of of rocks and other obstacles. It's ready and waiting for the seed. Secondly, we see the big difference from all the other accounts is that this soil grew a plant which bore much fruit. The the word of truth is heard, it's accepted, which means that it's been believed, it's obeyed, which is the fruit of a genuine Christian, the fruit of good works, the fruit of, of obedience, the fruit of the Spirit abounds in this plant as it produces fruit. And then the final thing we see is that this good soil bears a bountiful harvest doesn't just be a good harvest, it bears a bountiful harvest. Something amazing comes from this single seed. It's a a harvest of 30 times or 60 times or 100 times that which was sown. So why do I call this final soil the supernatural heart? What makes this soil so different? Well, this parable of Jesus reminds us that if it were not for God's supernatural work in the soil of our hearts to to soften our hardness, to, to break up the rocks, to remove the weeds, and to prepare the the soil of our hearts to receive the gospel, we would never have been able to hear and accept and believe and produce fruit. It's impossible. Verse 12 reminds us that the truth of the secrets of the kingdom of God the gospel of our salvation, these truths have been given to us by God. It's not something that we naturally desire or understand or perceive. They are supernatural gifts from God. And the Old Testament has prepared us for this understanding of this truth. It's a passage I've read frequently, Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. God says, I will give you, what? A new heart. 
And a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove your heart of solid rock, your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my laws. I mean, it's all there. The parable of the sower is in Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27. The stone is removed, a fresh heart of ready good soil is there. The spiritual seed is sown and God causes the tree to bear much fruit. So the soil which produces this fruit, which grows into maturity, is the soil that God has supernaturally prepared, which God has supernaturally fed, which God has supernaturally planted and watered, and which God supernaturally grows into maturity. So that Jesus can say to his disciples in John 15 verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Why would God be glorified if we produce fruit by our own strength, by our own means, by our own resources? No, God is glorified by our fruitfulness because it is His fruit that is being presented to the world. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that He has sown into our hearts, and so He gets all the glory. So we need to close. As Jesus sat in the boat, looking out over the crowds, listening to him, being able to see into their hearts, he saw the seeds of his word fall onto solid hearts. And he saw the devil rushing around between the crowds, snatching and plucking the seed from their stony cold minds. But as Jesus looked across the crowds, he must have also seen the seed of his word landing on superficial hearts. People who were smiling, who were responding with all the right emotions, raising hands. Amen, Jesus, they said. But Jesus knew that trouble was awaiting them when they got home that night. And the emotional high of the day out with Jesus would soon be forgotten. He must have seen the seed falling into hearts of those who were so close. People like Martha who, who worried about many things. The rich young ruler who was so close and yet loved his money. Or that man who said, I want to, but, but I just need to go and expand my business and, and plant some new la lands and then I will attend to the things of God. Jesus knew that although they were so close to believing his words, the thorny weeds of this world would choke them to death. But how much joy it must have given Jesus to also see the seed of his truth, of the gospel falling onto those hearts of the ones whom the Father had given to the Son. Hearts whom the Holy Spirit had been working in for perhaps weeks and, and months prior to that occasion. That their hearts were ready and, and eager to accept the word of God, to believe it, to, to love it, to obey it. Those who would bring forth much fruit for the glory of the Father as they went out and proved to be genuine disciples. But there was also something else which Jesus could see, which the people could not and it was this, that Jesus himself was the seed who was being sown. 
Jesus Christ is the true seed of Abraham and the various responses to his word are ultimately responses to Jesus Christ himself. As the true seed, as the promised offspring of the woman who would crush the head of Satan, Jesus knew that he was speaking this parable to crowds who in a few weeks' time would be the ones who would shout, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus was the seed who had to die. It had to go into the ground so that as he rose again on the third day, he would bring life and hope and growth and salvation and fruit to the glory of God to all those who believe in him. Jesus says in John 12, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus, as the true seed of God, gave up his life to save ours. He was the seed which died so that we might receive eternal life. I pray that God would be pleased to have prepared the soil of our hearts this morning to be ready to receive the word which has been sown, to receive it with the supernatural life and power that only God can give, that we would go out from here and prove to be his disciples as we bear much fruit to the glory of God. Jesus said as he spoke these words, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for your word. We want to thank you again for the truth that as your word is preached and proclaimed today from this portion of scripture, you are at work. Lord, I pray that those who have come to the end of this service today and are feeling cold and, and hard towards you, those who have been drifting in and out of the sermon while they've been thinking about all the things to worry about or thinking about all the things that they should be doing to earn more money or to change their situation in life, Lord, that they will see today the desperate situation that they find themselves in, that they are perhaps either that hard soil or that shallow, rocky soil or that the weeds that they've neglected for so long, these thorns are starting to choke the very spiritual life out of their hearts. Lord, I pray that you would cause them today by your Holy Spirit to see the, the reality of their situation and to cry out to you for help, to cry out to you for salvation if they have not ever yet truly believed in Jesus Christ. Lord, that you would be pleased to remove that heart of stone, to throw out all the rocks, to kill the weeds, to cause the seed that you have planted in our hearts today to, to sink down deep, so deep that it will never ever be uprooted again. And that we would all individually and together as the church at Honeyridge grow into a fruitful vine that bears much fruit for your kingdom. For we pray this in Jesus' name and that you, Father, might be glorified. Amen.